Hey guys, it's me, P. And me, S. And you're listening to the Girl on Girl podcast. But it's not what you think. But also, it's kind of what you think. Okay, here's the deal. My name is Persis. I'm queer, Indian, femme, and a little over five feet tall. And my name is Sarah. I'm straight, white, cis, and a proud ginger. Every episode, we're going to talk about sexuality from a queer perspective, from a straight perspective, and what it means to find the fluidity between the two. We're going to talk about taboos, labels, dating, awkward moments, pop culture icons. We're also going to talk safe sex, self-discovery, discrimination, and what it means to be a queer minority. Hey, Purse. Hey, Sarah. Hey, you called me Purse. Yeah, that was weird. Hey, P. (laughs) Hey, S. Today's episode, we had on a dear friend of ours and also our very first male identifying guest. Yeah, we were very excited about that because we didn't realize until we asked this particular male to join and we're like, oh, you're our first. And I think it's about time girl on girl welcomed a man because we're we're inclusive. What are we doing? we got to open up the borders, you know? So today we're opening up the borders and it's girl on boy on girl. He's the meat in the girl on girl sandwich. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) The beyond meat. So Sarah, can you introduce our male guest? (laughs) We haven't even said his name. Guys, today we're talking to our friend Kyle. Kyle has been one of our besties for about five years, I would say. We met him in Toronto. He's been a big part of our Toronto lives, our 20s, growing up figuring shit out. And Kyle identifies as gay. He has his whole life. And we talked to him about what it was like growing up gay on the East Coast of Canada, what it was like to be a gay kid in high school, in middle school, and then ultimately moving away from New Brunswick and coming to Toronto and having his amazing, liberating experience. Um, Experience, you might call it. Kyle's one of our best friends and it was really cool to hear his story and for him to go into detail about like him discovering he was gay at such a young age and then everything he did to like make sure he could survive Mm -hmm. and not honestly not just survive but thrive and face any challenge that came his way. He just faced it with so much confidence and so much like wit. It was really cool to hear that perspective and it was really inspiring too. Very inspiring. And there were so many aspects as we'll get into the episode where I learned how confident Kyle really is, how he was and how he still is. And he's carried that into his 20s, being 26 years old now. And one of my favorite things about Kyle is how much he loves my girl, Brittany. I think that's one of the first things when I met Kyle, we connected on. um, So we'll get into that in the episode too. (laughs) I just had to shout that out. Yeah, you guys are the biggest Britney fans in my whole life. I, d- I don't know anyone who loves Britney as much as you two, but I support it. I support you. I support him. Guys, I think if you identify as a gay man, you'll really enjoy um, Kyle's story and really relate to it. I think he has a lot of great insights into what it's like to, to grow up gay and to be a proud gay man today. And we are so grateful that he took time to talk to us. We're so grateful that he was vulnerable and open to sharing. And uh, we hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Kyle. Enjoy. Hey, 
who are you, Kyle? Like, who are you, though, really? Yeah, we think we know you, but because, we really don't know. Yeah, and the <gasps> fans have Wait, been what's, asking. It's, what's MTV that di- it's MTV Diaries, that's why. <laughs> Welcome to the life of Kyle. You think you know, but you have no idea. <laughs> oh, wait, was that like Life of Ryan or something? What was no, that? No, it was like MTV Diaries was like, it was a show on MTV that like followed celebrities around for like a couple of days and they did like a behind the scenes look of their life for a few days. Like with like, with Britney, they like followed her around while she did like a, she did like a NASCAR. She was the person that like waved off the NASCAR drivers and stuff like that. And then they like went behind the scenes for her recording some of her album and stuff like that and then they do like diary sessions where they just say these super cheesy one-liners like that like you think you know but you have no idea (laughs) it was like christina aguilera like jennifer lopez like britney like there's so many you think you know but you have no idea this is the diary of britney spears Kyle. Kyle. Welcome to Girl on Girl. Thanks. It's it's a pleasure. We are so excited you're here. And you're also the first man. Yeah. <laughs> the first man to be wedged in the girl on girl sandwich. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I'm the I'm the beyond meat. <laughs> beyond meat. Yes. <laughs> Guys, the Beyond Meat Burger at AW. It's delicious. Uh, I, I, I just I just had it for dinner. It's delish. Guys, you know what I miss? The veggie nuggets. Mm, those were good. What happened to those? Uh, I think I they know. just got discontinued. I think it was they just let it go. I remember getting veggie nuggets so drunk, like after track and field at the A and W at college. And, uh, yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and uh, college and Arlington. Arlington. Yeah. Uh, listen, guys, Kyle, Kyle's gay, and that's not the only reason he's here. He's also here because we, we love him to the depths of the earth. Let's just start at the very beginning, not of your life, but of our life. With you. (laughs) Okay. Kyle, how did we all meet? Uh, well, I met you first because, Sarah, because we worked together. Uh, we were we were food runners at a nice bougie restaurant here in Toronto, That's and right. and we <laughs> I can't really say worked because we just giggled the entire time. <laughs> Basically, we you did there. this. <laughs> oh yeah, we were the most giggly people who worked there. Oh, for yeah. we would sure. we would just be, sure. we would be in that we would be in the back polishing cutlery and we would just be <laughs> just a scream yelling in the back. <laughs> oh my god yeah i remember being so happy when you started because like i don't know people were people were they were super cool but there was just something about you when you started where i was like this is my friend (laughs) purses i honestly like i don't i I think we i think i remember you specifically sitting at the bar at this restaurant and sarah was like this is my roommate purses like because i was sitting at the bar as well after work and i was having a drink and then we just all started canoodling, and then the rest Probably. is history. We all started making out. <laughs> that's what actually, I became the Beyond Meat. That's what it became Beyond Meat. I don't know why I really like that analogy. <laughs> that seems really accurate. I feel like I would actually come to the like 150 bar like more often than not. Oh, yeah, just to you come would, visit 100%. and say hi. 
Yeah, because I think that's I think that's how I met Camille as well mm-hmm. and Margot. I remember us having this exact conversation the last time that we all saw each other in person at that Chinese restaurant in Chinatown. We were all trying to Aww. recollect how we recollect how we met each other. We were all like, I don't know. <laughs> the rest is history. We've been we've been girlfriends ever since. We've done a lot together, a lot of game nights, a lot of drunken nights out. That's introduced right. you to my I introduced you to my gaze. You introduced me to your gaze. That's how Kyle <laughs> and I fell in love. We've had a um, lot we've had a lot of very fun nights out. Kyle. Yes. Tell us about growing up on uh the eastern coast of Canada. The eastern coast. Easterns. Yeah. I'm from Fredericton, New Brunswick, which is a very <laughs> it's the capital city of New Brunswick, but there's about forty thousand people that live there, so I don't know what's capital about it, but Wow. Yeah, I grew up there, and I grew up also in Miramichi, New Brunswick, which is a very small, like, military French town. I spent a lot of my childhood there, and then we moved back to Fredericton. And funnily enough, when I was in Miramichi, I, that was when I kind of realized that I was gay at four years old. <laughs> oh, love I, four, eh? Because I had such a big crush on Aaron Carter. <gasps> oh! So did I. His The first CD I ever got was Aaron's Party Come Get It, and I got it at a garage sale, and I would just listen to Aaron's Party Come Get It on repeat and dream about kissing him. That's exactly what I would do. I remember I had the cassette. I had the cassette of it. Oh, my God. And the booklet folded out into a poster of him, and I just remember sitting. <laughs> I remember, like, laying in my bed and looking and, like, folding out this poster look at him and being like, oh, man, he's so cute. I love it. I'm just picturing four-year-old Kyle like fantasizing yeah. about Aaron Carter. That's the cutest and, thing I can ever picture. And I had I had Same. such a crush on I also had such a crush on Paul from S Club Seven. Ooh. Like he was like the brown haired, like fit. He was probably the he's the best looking guy. S Club There ain't no party like an S Club body. Okay, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's cute. Yeah. So I had such a crush on those two. And then when I moved back to New Brunswick was when I was in third, or sorry, Fredericton was when I was in third grade. And that was kind of when I started to get a little teased about it. Like that was when it was, it, it, I never it really got like super bullied or anything, but it was when it kind of got brought up in conversation that it was a lot more girlier than the other guys. And stuff like that, because I was always around the other girls. Like, I listened to Britney Spears, Spice Girls. Uh, I listened to, like, all the pop queens and stuff like that. And that still hasn't changed, but... um, Not a bit. Not a bit. Yeah, that was kind of, like, when it started to become a topic in conversation, like, amongst other people. And then that kind of followed me up into middle school, which was when I started to get questioned if I was gay. And I would be like, I don't know, like, I don't, I I don't know, like, I might be, like, I would never give a clear answer because I never knew myself. Mm -hmm. Even though I, like, I kind of knew because I mean, not to be too explicit, but like, I never, like, when looking up porn, I never went to straight porn. (laughs) Yeah. Even when I was in, like, going, when I was going through puberty, like, I was never, I I just never did. And so... Mm -hmm. I was like, but I just didn't know how to characterize it yet. Like, I didn't know how to like, because like the gay people from then were just like, they, 
were labeled gay and they were just, they were like this certain person. And, and I just didn't feel that I fit any of those characteristics and stuff like that. So I just never really knew. And there wasn't as many like queer icons and stuff like that. So I just, I wasn't exposed to that. And then come the ninth grade, one of my, one of my best friends at the time, he had recently broken up with a girlfriend that he had for three years. And as soon as he did, he came out as bi. Oh, wow. And then about a week later, I came out as gay. <laughs> Looking back, I'm like, I probably should have like let him have his light a little bit. <laughs> you stole his thunder, Kyle. Great. Now's my time to shine. <laughs> I know. Oh, you're bi? Great, great. Okay. But I'm gay. Literally, that's literally what happened. And yeah, ever since then, I just... I just lived my life as an unapologetic gay man. Even in high school, like, I I feel like it was kind of unorthodox for me because, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of queer people, a lot of gay men, any, any people that belong on the LGBTQIA spectrum, like, they received a lot of bully, a lot of hate for projecting who they are and stuff like that. I never really received that um, because I was very social. The people that were trying to bully me, they were always playing checkers, but I was playing chess. So. Oh, I love that. Tell us more. For example, like I would become friends with the popular girls so that the popular guys couldn't make fun of me because if they did, then the popular girls would withhold sex. He's strategic. <laughs> He's manipulative, <laughs> baby. Checkmate. <laughs> so I like I just kind of like I, I was still friends with them like I was still like we were still peeking all the time and stuff like that but it was something that I always had in the back of my head being like okay I gotta like I gotta keep the social standing like I was I was closer with the theater kids and I was friends with the theater kids those were my best friends and stuff like that but then I had kind of like my girlfriends that were a part of like the sports teams and they were the ones that were running for like class president and stuff like that like I was still I feel like I kind of lived like two separate lives when I was in high school and then like I remember kind of like my method or sorry my form of bullying that I got was people just they would call me gay or they would call me a fag and I would just be like and when people kind of hurl insults at you on characteristics that you already know you are and that you're comfortable in like it's like me being like Sarah you're a girl or mm-hmm. Persis, you're wearing you're wearing a pink hat right now. Like it's just like it's like okay, you know what I mean? It's just it's something that is that I was just I was always very unapologetic for and I was always very open to and stuff like that. And that's just always carried with me. And I feel like that I mean that brings me to now where I'm just I live my life as an open gay, open proud gay man. And I kind of like want to be able to use my comfortability in my sexuality and in being a gay man and stuff like that to help those who don't have that voice, who are very kind of like stuck in their shell. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Of, be, of being unable to come out of the closet for whatever reason or being able to uh, not being able to kind of express themselves the way that they want to. Like, I want to kind of be that person that shows them that 
I mean, life is, life's what you make it, you know what I mean? Like, it's when you finally get that, that weight lifted off of you where you can, like, express who you are and be who you want to be and live an openly proud queer life, you know what I mean? Or whatever, trans or uh, asexual, pansexual, like, whatever label that you identify as on the spectrum and stuff like that. It's just, it's such a, it's such a freeing feeling and I want I want everybody that is questioning that or is scared to identify as that to just I want to be able to help them you know what I mean and be that voice to transition them to their best life I have so many questions I literally <laughs> I, didn't every- mean to, I didn't mean to go off on that tangent listen you just like laid out the outline and now we're gonna paint the picture okay because you clearly had this like inherent confidence that I think so many stories we hear about people discovering their sexuality they don't have that inherent confidence and that's what brings in all of the struggle and all of the questioning and so my first question like going all the way back to the Aaron Carter poster when you realized as as little like third grade Kyle, when you were like, I have a major crush on Aaron Carter, like I, I like him. I like this picture. What did that feel like? Was there a part of you that was like, had it been instilled in you what gayness was or that gayness was bad? I'm doing air quotes. Like, was there any part of you that was like, this is bad or this is weird? No, because I, I, was, I, I was talking to my mom about this the other day, actually, is that my so my dad was always he was always gone for like a week or two because he was doing he he was a transport truck driver so he was delivering like freight and stuff like that all across Canada and he would come home on the weekends sometimes and so he was never really there to kind of like maybe like reel me in a little bit because my mom was like my mom was kind of just like she just let me do my own thing I love she that. just she let me do whatever I wanted to do and. I think it's because like my, because my parents were 21 when they had me. So they were still very young themselves, still trying to feel them, feel life out for themselves and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But my mom just kind of, she was like, you know what? Like you can just do whatever you want to do. Like they were still disciplined. She was still very disciplinary with me, but it's, it's like, it's kind of grown into like the relationship where my mom is my, my mom is my mom, but she's also my best friend. You know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like, she just, I never really got any of that like gay is bad or anything like that because my my mom just she just let me be who I wanted to be so I never I never had those feelings of what I was like what I was thinking about was bad if anything it was coming from like the media that I was ingesting because like it still wasn't fully out there yet you know what I mean in the early 2000s but I mean, that's why I gravitated more towards like female artists and female singers and stuff like that, because that was something that they projected was the more feminine side of them. And that's something that I identified with more because I, as a gay man, like, it's just, you have a lot more connections with like females in general, you know what I mean? So I, yeah, I never thought of it like that I I never I've never had a crush or been in love with a woman Mm. so I don't know what that feels like Mm -hmm. even if I'm even if I'm looking at a if I'm looking at a woman like I'm looking across my room at like a poster of the Spice Girls and I'm like those people are genuinely gorgeous like they're pretty they're gorgeous but I don't find them like hot or sexy 
right or like right. I'm not attracted to them like I, it's always been men for me maybe that's where the confidence comes from I just feel like instantly for you there was never a question it was it was just inherent and then there was no one telling you that you that couldn't be your inherent feeling no one was telling you that yeah it started to it started to get kind of like I would get bitten back by it like later on in life but that was when I was already confident in who I was like right right when I was in high school that was when my dad would start to kind of question me or he would say that it was a phase of metrosexuality or he would say that it was something along those lines or that but that was also when he stopped trucking as well so he was, he was around, around yeah. more yeah so it was like you're he, like dad he, I've been this way I've been this way <laughs> I used to dance on top of the counter with a towel on my head pretending that I was Britney Spears since I was like eight That's six right. seven years old like this is nothing new Aww. my mom like my mom would catch me doing that she would she would see me in the living room and I'm going into the kitchen, like going in sneakily to the, to the towel drawer and pulling out a towel and then running <laughs> to my room. And that's she knew exactly so what I was doing. Cause that was when, <laughs> that was when the Britney music would start blasting and that's when the towel would go on my head. And I pretend I was in a music video all the time. Wait, what's the towel thing? Is that like a Britney thing I don't know about? No, it was just like, I would pretend I had hair. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah, Got like it. I thought there was like a Britney video no. with a towel that I like no. wasn't aware of. No, I... it was, it was like, there should it was be. just me pretending I had a wig. What I really do find interesting about your story is that exactly what Sarah had pointed out before was this like confidence you had. And it just seemed like that was your bubble almost in a way yeah. to be like, everything is good. I can be who I want to yeah. be. I know I'm not feel like thinking women are sexy at this point in my life. Like as a child, you're already like, I already know I have a crush on Aaron Carter. Right, I already like yeah. Paul from um, S Club S 7, S you know? Seven, yeah. I, I just yeah. think that's very fascinating. And then when you bring in the real world, that's when things just get shaken up. I just like, right. I found that interesting. Growing up, I've just, I've gotten so used to being able to encapsulate myself in a bubble of what I want to ingest of like, in regards of like media or in regards of like people that I want in my life. Like when I was younger, like my bubble was that I was just constantly surrounded in a world of Britney Spears and of like my, my girlfriends and stuff like that. And just living in that and like my mom never my mom never bothered me with it and stuff like that and then it's carried with me all the way up into now like where my where my like circle of friends is strictly either queer people or allies you know what I mean and it's like where I don't feel ashamed to be able to be the who I am and be able to express who I am through whatever outlet or whatever facet is coming about you know what I mean it's just it's something that I've always been really good at is surrounding myself with the energy that I need mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> and that's it's, the most important thing from a very young age you were able to master the art of like creating your own reality and even what you were saying about the chess and the checkers or sorry yeah yeah chess and checkers yeah like you created that you created a safe space for yourself you created a reality where you weren't going to get beat up on the schoolyard there was no there was no way because you created a reality where it was safe for you to be who you were i think that's like an incredible life skill it's one of those things that it's like i'm very proud of but then i also like on the other side it's like i kind of feel guilty about it because i don't have those similar 
gay experiences that a lot of that a lot of people that identify on an LGBTQIA like they have the experiences of being beaten up or being called names and stuff like that and it's like I don't have that to relate to and I feel bad because I hear other people talk about it and I hear what the experiences that they went through and how they came out the other side of it like I talked to somebody who who used to get like shoved into lockers and stuff like that for being gay and just being beat up and then I start to feel like I just kind of had like a very unorthodox way of just not I don't know just removing myself from it somehow and I just I I it, it's like I I'm very proud of myself but then I also it's like it's I don't know. It's a weird dichotomy. You know what I mean? I wanted to say though, too, because I've heard that before where people say I feel guilty about my own coming out experience because, you know, yeah. I didn't really go through those struggles. But your coming out story is as equally as important because there's right. going to be someone out there who is maybe like, I don't know if I want to come out. But then look at Kyle's story it was right. very inspiring. He already knew who he was. And you know what? He didn't really face a lot of these struggles. I think it's so important to hear that side of the story as it is also important to hear someone's story who's been through it but right. we need both we need to have that positive spin not everything can be like this is so sad yeah I think it's also a matter of dealing with what you're given and you were dealt a better card maybe than someone else might have been dealt but you still had to sp you still had to deal with life just like everyone you still had to spin stuff in a way that would work best for you and I think there's I just feel like when it comes to queer stories there's room for all of them like they all hold such a special place especially I think for the generation coming up where there is so much more openness and there is a lot more safe space for people who do identify as queer to come out or to or to act whatever way they want to act but that's why that's exactly why a story like yours is important that doesn't mean they might not be scared that doesn't mean they might not be confused or I don't know, concerned for their safety, concerned for their family, their friends, whatever it is. And they need to know that there is a story like theirs where everything turned out great. <laughs> I wish that I, like, I sometimes wish that I could be kind of in the generation that we are now coming out of the closet and be in identifying as somebody who is queer and stuff like that, because there's so much queer media to ingest. I mean there and it's it's becoming more and more now like i mean even with like little Nas x just coming out with uh with his new song and his new video it's like that's something that i wish that i could look up to being like i wish that like in my early 20s or in my late teens i had a figure to look up to of somebody who was sexually liberated as a queer man you know mm -hmm. what i mean because that would that was never something that i was exposed to I was exposed to sexually liberated women right because like I grew up in the age of when Britney transitioned from the schoolgirl to the vixen you know what I mean of like in her pop music trajectory and like the same with like Madonna and Janet Jackson like they always had those kind of sexual liberations throughout their career and it's something that I always saw from a female perspective, but I never got to see that from a gay man perspective or a queer perspective because there was none it of just that. was it was never available to me. The only gay people, the only gay men that like were available to you in the early two thousands were like Will and Grace or something mm. like just like a very or like queer as folk or just like a very kind of stereotypical like white, predominantly white gay upbringing and stuff like that. Right. And it's like that's 
something that is it's not as present now because we have so many people like little nas x we have Troy Sivan, we have just oh. <laughs> I, I love them i know like there's just there's so many people that this generation has to look up to in regards of their coming out experience and just finding out who they are and they have those people that they can look up to and it's like that's so amazing and i and it's like it's it's weird even saying that as a 26 year old like i'm not old that's how new it is mm-hmm. to have this kind of like media projected trajectory of like all of these queer artists and all of these queer uh images and stuff like that just it's it's so crazy <laughs> okay we we want to dive into like pop culture with you because it's your expertise but I did have a few more questions about your growing up experience. Your first kind of realizing you were gay was your crush on Aaron Carter, your crush on Paul from S Club. Do you remember your first crush that you had on like an actual boy in your life? Good question. <laughs> Thank you so much. And can you please name him by his full name and his address? Thank you. Oh my God. I don't. Um, oh, you know what? I do remember. I remember this guy, his name was, uh, his name is Devin. And he, 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 there's literally no chance of him ever hearing this. So I don't care about saying his name because I, Blame haven't, it. Been in con- Yell it. I, ha- I haven't been in contact with him in over two decades, but like, I had such a crush on him. He was just this hockey, like just very sporty kid and stuff like that. And I was like, five years old and I just remember being like ah. and then uh, yeah and it's it was the same thing when I moved to Fredericton like I it's <laughs> this is gonna also sound really funny I had another crush on a guy named Evan <laughs> okay also, Kyle who's the next who one Evan who also who also played hockey but I was just I was very like I was just very enamored by those pe- like those kids that were sporty and stuff like that because that was I wasn't like <laughs> I wasn't like that at all so it was like when I saw like a really cute boy that was on like the hockey team or the soccer team or something like that I was just like oh he's cute the ironic thing is is that the people that were on the sports teams were most likely to call me a fag so like <laughs> It's. I mean, but listen, my dude, you played the game. They were playing <laughs> really checkers. You were playing chess. So, yeah, and is what you say. I think you're hot. <laughs> Did you ever tell either of Evan or Devin that you had a crush on them? I think Evan kind of knew because I was the. I would. I was always calling him, and I was always like, <laughs> I, I was forward. I, I, no, I well, it was just like I just because I wanted to be his friend. So it was like, I, I think it was kind of like, I had a crush on him, but I also wanted to be his friend. So it was like a weird, I was yeah. having like very conflicting things at a very young age. Cause I was like eight at that point. And it was like, I was just like, do I, do I want this guy as my boyfriend or do I want him as my friend? So it was like, I was kind of, that was the entire like dichotomous thing with being around him is that I didn't know what I wanted from him. So like I didn't I, I didn't know like whether I like whether I wanted to be boyfriends or friends and I would I'd just call him up and try to be his friend and stuff like that. But then like whenever I call him, I'd get like the little like flutter in my heart or something like that, or like little butterflies and stuff like that. And then <laughs> Aww, I think he, he I caught on eventually. Fun. And then I just got 
completely like excommunicated. <laughs> no. Oh, he's, and he's I, probably confused. I remember just running around the playground bawling my eyes out. I was bawling my eyes out saying that he betrayed me and all this stuff because <laughs> he because he he I remember he went he went to one of his friends and he started I think he's I think he was talking about me having a crush on him or something like that. So I found that out because they started making fun of me for it. And then I started, I was just, I was heartbroken because I was like, I, I was just like, yeah, friends don't, friends don't do that. And like, people don't do that. Like, why would you do that to me and stuff like that? But yeah, I, I don't know. I, maybe that, maybe that was kind of like the beginning of the very jaded outlook I have on, <laughs> on men, <laughs> on men, but on life, <laughs> you see that kind of like imagery of just like the two, li- like the, the two little kids the boy and the girl where they like kiss each other on the cheek or they like run up to each other and hug each other and stuff like that like I never I never got to experience that because it was like I always just I always knew that it was that it was boys that I liked you know what I mean that I wanted that I thought that boys were cute and like I wanted to have a little I wanted to have a little peck from a boy or something Mm -hmm. like that and that I didn't know how to navigate it because heteronormativity was always pushed on me societally you know what I mean like it was always something that was it was like I saw a boy and a girl on tv or I saw it in a music video and like especially with idolizing like female stars and stuff like that they always have boys in their video and it's never girls up you know what I mean and it was just like it was something that was very foreign to me but it was also something that I knew too much about because I was something that I was going through but nobody else around me seemed to be going through it so like I didn't know how to and especially being in like such a small place Mm -hmm. well that's what I was gonna say like you're not only in a small place but you're in a different part of like you're not near Toronto for anyone who doesn't know Canada like Fredericton is nowhere near Toronto Fredericton is 16 hours away from Toronto and it is like (laughs) the It is the whitest of white and it's just, it's all old people and trees and old trees. But that, that was the thing that like when I, once I came to high school, like I kind of gravitated towards the gay people that were in my school because like that was something that I never really got in elementary school or in uh, middle school. Like it was something that came later on in high school where a lot of like the gay people, they felt more comfortable because they they went into theater and theater is a very, like it's a very gay environment and stereotypically, unfortunately, but it's like, I, I always just gravitated towards that. And even though I wasn't a theater kid myself, like I just knew that I felt more comfortable with them because they were more outwardly gay. Yeah, like in, in elementary school, middle school, there was nobody like me. And I didn't know what I was doing, but I just continued doing it anyways. Well, that's why it's so, it, like, we, I've talked about this before on past episodes. Like, I have had, I had a privileged growing up experience where I belonged in a lot of situations. I'm not only white, but I'm also straight, although we, we've talked about how I, like, I wasn't sure what was going on for a while there. But, um, <laughs> but I just. Which yeah. you can listen to on episode one. That's right. Episode one. Thank you very much. Um, I also like I was on sports teams. I was on the student council. I had friends like I just I was able to experience a lot of like 
belonging. And so it's hard for me to understand how you could how you could have so much confidence in yourself knowing since you were four that there was no one else like you around you and you still just like had this confidence it's i can't even picture it i would i don't know how i don't know how i did it (laughs) i still don't know like you should write a book kyle Um, we yeah we will be confidence we can publish it (laughs) i just like and i think that's like why when i moved to toronto like i had such a big like sexual liberation when I was in when I moved here and stuff like that like I didn't lose my virginity until I moved to Toronto Mm. when I was 20. It was like because there was just not many people like me in Fredericton everybody that was like me they were my friends (laughs) so like I just I never I never had kind of that I don't know that desire to do anything plus I was I I don't know I was like just very self-conscious in general about my appearance and stuff so I just I didn't know anything about that. And then it was like, I moved to Toronto. I had this huge sexual liberation. And it often makes me think about like what, like what my life would have been like if I was brought up in Toronto. True. I lived in a predominantly white city. And even though my mom and my mom's side of my family is uh, native and they belong to a tribe and stuff like that, it's like, it was still very whitewashed. And it was because of the surroundings and my entire dad's side of the family is all white. And I graduated with, I think, two black people, like out of, out of like 650 people. It was just, there was, there was never like that many, that, that much culture in my city and stuff like that. I, and it was the same with being gay. Like there was not much. Um, diversity when it came to that and I wasn't exposed to that until after I left and I know that after I left because I left in 2014 there's been a huge rise in queer culture in Fredericton which is amazing but I never got to experience that because I had to find that for myself Mm -hmm. right and I found that for myself in Toronto and ever since then it's just been about kind of unlearning a lot of things in regards of not only like with racism and with uh, sexism and all of this stuff, like misogyny and bigotry, like there's so many things on that side that I need to unlearn, but then there's also things that I need to unlearn within myself about queer culture. And Mm. there's a lot of things that I was just brought up thinking because I lived in such a small town thinking such small town things, you know what I mean? And it's like, Mm-hmm. That's why I'm so I'm so privileged now because I have such a diverse friend group of uh, gay men, uh, bisexual women. Of so so many of my friends uh, are they're black, Asian. There, it's just it's so multicultural, and there's so many different stories, and there's so many different upbringings that have been kind of amalgamated to create my friend group. And I've been so privileged to be able to be a part of that and to learn from that and to have kind of like that floor and that ground to be able to unlearn a lot of things that I learned from being in a small town. Mm -hmm. And it's just, Toronto's done nothing but amazing things for me in that sense of just being a gay man living my 
gay life. <laughs> living your best gay life. Living my, my best gay life. I think all three of us could say the same. Like moving to a city isn't for everyone, but for all three of us, it was exactly what we needed to unlearn a lot of stuff and to learn a lot of stuff too. I, um, as someone who identifies as straight, I was liberated when I moved to Toronto in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I want to talk about this with you, Kyle, though. Can you please tell us about your first night out at a gay bar? <gasps> yes. In Toronto, oh. you are living your life as a gay man. My first night coming, being in Toronto, I remember it was my 21st birthday, and I went out with my, my girlfriend at the time, Leanne, and we went to Cruise and Tango's. And Yeah, exactly. And I just remember being so just completely enamored by everything. Because as soon as you walk in the door, Drag show, bar, music. <laughs> Upstairs is more music. In the back, there's more. I was just like, "Holy shit!" Like, what did I just walk into? And I heaven, just remember, heaven. Just, yeah, exactly. And I just remember I gravitated right to the drag show because, I mean, I that was my first time seeing a drag queen in person. Yeah, was when I was 21, and this was like 2016. It was like I had been watching RuPaul's Drag Race for a while and stuff like that, but I'd never seen a drag queen in person. And then it was yeah. like, I just remember being in the front. I have videos of it on my phone of me just screaming. And do you, do you want to hear something funny? <laughs> Is that the second time that I ever went out to, the second time I ever went out to a gay bar was with you guys. <laughs> what? <laughs> Wait, Wait, seriously? The second time? The second time. I don't know if you remember this, but... <laughs> and we went to cruise and I remember I got I just got off my rocker so quickly and we went into the pizza pizza yes I remember the pizza pizza yes 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 because I was like I think I'm gonna throw up <laughs> and so we went into the pizza pizza and yes. I remember I remember going into the bathroom and I didn't throw up at all I peed and then I took videos of myself oh, and yeah. I have and I have those videos oh. on my phone and I remember I remember both of you coming up to the door being like are you okay <laughs> you were literally taking videos of yourself like you doing nothing you were like gone for a while we're like did he die <laughs> I just gone for like a full 10 minutes in the bathroom just taking I was taking selfies of myself the entire time I'm like <laughs> oh I'm so drunk I still have them on my phone it's hilarious and then we went to cruise and then I we just had so much fun and that was the second time I ever went out in Toronto no way yeah. I no cannot believe that I'm so honored <laughs> that I remember that night that was so fun cruise is always fun. I, know. I have a picture of Cruz on my like the this like cool watercolor painting by this local Toronto artist literally on my because <laughs> I miss it so much. I know me I mean me too I did like a freaking local residency there for a year where I was going every weekend but this is like not related at all but I'm actually really interested in this question how do you feel about labels because you identify as gay and how do you feel about them in general? Uh, I don't know. Like, I, labels have just been always been something that's been there. Yeah. I've just never really thought about it. You know what I mean? And I feel like it's, it's something that I've been kind of thinking about lately because of your guys' podcast where it's just like, I, it's kind of gotten like the, the 
train of thought going with it, but it's just, it's never been something that I've really addressed because it's just always been something that was kind of put on me. You know what I mean? And then I was just like, yeah, sure. I mean, I'm comfortable within that label. So I may as well go it, like go with it. Like I am a, I'm a cisgender male that is homosexual. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. what I am. And I've never had, and like, because of the, I guess, quote unquote, uncomfortable, or sorry, uh, comfortability of uh, my upbringing within being gay and stuff like that. Like, it's just, that's always been something that I've known. So once the label was put on me, it was just like, okay, you know what I mean? But I don't, I don't really address the label all too much because I mean, I, I'm just me. (laughs) It's like, I am, I'm living in the same world that all these other people are. I think of uh, everybody is just like little fish in a really big pond. You know what I mean? It's like, Mm -hmm. I, I never really think about it all too much because it's not something that I really experienced, but I know that there's, I know that there's people that find comfort in their, in their labels, like their perspective labels because of the ostracization of their upbringing and stuff like that and them finally feeling belonged in a community and stuff like that and that's something that is so amazing with labels and kind of like the compartmentalization of the lgbtqia community and stuff like that but i also understand that there's a lot of fluidity in that and it's kind of like up to everybody to kind of find their place within the spectrum of what LGBTQIA means and finding where they're comfortable and whether or not they decide that they want to have a label put on them, that's up to them and that should only be up to them. I think that's an interesting point too that you said about how your label of being gay was just kind of put upon you. Like even even like you were saying in middle school when kids started being like, are you gay? And you're yeah. like, well, maybe. Like <laughs> it, it almost just like it was told to you and then it felt like yeah. it felt like the right thing. So you just ran yeah. with it. Yeah. It's just I think that's an interesting point. If you think about a kid now who maybe identifies as pan or something is like um, maybe now. I don't know. I don't know. But back in the day on the schoolyard, would any kids be like, are you pansexual? And they'd be like, oh, actually, that does kind of fit with me. <laughs> the label that was pushed on you happened to be the one that you actually felt like you identified with. And you were like, like this, uh, yeah. like this, right? So well, it's also, it's also because like in our upbringing, like in our time, like when we were kids and when we were teenagers and stuff like that, we didn't have the spectrum of what LGBTQIA means now. Totally, and it's, yeah. And like it, that reiterates back to what I said before. Like, even though I like we're 25, 26, like we're still super young but it's like that's how new it is you know what I mean like there's Mm -hmm. there's all these different subsections and categories to identifying as as somebody who is on the LGBTQIA you can identify as uh, asexual you can be um, intersex there's uh, intersectionality there's just there's so many different things within it now and I think that that's something that is like really cool with what has developed from it but we never had that back when we no, were, we were growing up, up. yeah no. it, was, it was always just it was always just gay or lesbian, lesbian and like maybe bisexuality but people Barely. like you guys say you guys talked about it in your last episode with kind of like the stigmatization towards uh bisexuality and stuff like that like in my upbringing like people always saw bisexuality as a gateway to being gay 
Oh yeah. And it was, it was, it was a highway, yeah. it was a highway rate to being gay. And it was just, it was something yep. that, I mean, it was something that I saw because in high school, like there was people that would come out as bisexual and then they would come out as gay. And it was just, it was kind of, it was kind of like an ease into being gay. Like it was just something that they felt like people felt like they should do just to kind of like get people used to the idea of them possibly being gay. Like, oh, they're half right. gay now. Like, now right. What? I even asked Persis that question. I think on like our first episode or something when Pers was kind of telling her story, I was like, did you ever feel like you wanted to come out as bisexual to, I don't know, make it easier, make it easier. on everyone? And Pers was yeah. like, no. <laughs> but I think that's right. why it's important yeah. to reiterate like, and you said this, Kyle, like it, everyone has such a different story and maybe that could, that could be someone's story, right? To maybe say, yeah. I'm going to say I'm bi because I feel like it's an easier transition, but that doesn't apply mm-hmm. to every bisexual who lives on this planet. Absolutely. So it's, it's yeah, funny yeah. too, because like everybody has their own story, but then everybody has different perspectives of that story. And it's funny because like, this is something that I haven't really chat, like talked to you about first, but like, you introduced yourself to me as a bisexual woman, but you only ever talk to me about your queer experiences. Mm-hmm. So like, that's all I knew you as. And so when you eventually came out as queer, I was like, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was <laughs> not even that, but it was just like, it was something that I knew because like, you always came, like, you would always come to me being like, oh, I have a date with a girl tomorrow or, oh, I have a crush on this girl or, oh, like, I would see you, like, make out with a girl or something like that. It was never with men. So then it's, like, it's interesting to hear on the podcast you talk about all these experiences that you had with men because I never, I never saw that. And, like, I, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) And it's, like, I, like, I've been friends with you for, like, what, like, four or five years now? And it's, like, you, you said that you came out as bi at, like, a, pretty young like pretty young age 18 and yeah exactly and it's like I and then you came as queer last year was it was uh queer uh last year I was 24 in May yeah Yeah. but like I like in that gap that was something that I never saw so it's like I think that Mm -hmm. that's also like the really interesting thing about like perspective is it's like everybody has their story but then everybody has there's people that are on the outside that have a different view on what that perspective is you know what I mean and like what that story is because like I feel like it's very easy for me because I have gay written on my forehead like it's it's in my it's in my mannerisms it's in my voice it's in my interests it's like and so I always kind of like joke about it like right off the bat just so I can avoid that kind of like weird like oh, so, like, are you dating anybody? You know what I mean? (laughs) So, like, I always try to bring, like, levity to it, you know what I mean? And just, like, making some offhand joke about how gay I am or something like Mm -hmm. that because I have, like, Britney Spears and Spice Girls and Janet Jackson and Kylie Minogue hanging all around my apartment and stuff like that, like, because I don't know what people have seen from me, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, there could be some person that thought I was straight this entire time. I mean, I would feel bad for them because, like, that's... (laughs) I'd be like, I'm so sorry you felt that way. <laughs> I'm giggling because it's like hard to imagine if they knew you for longer than 10 minutes. <laughs> you know True. I mean? Because I'm already throwing out references about like... It's the confidence. No, it's the confidence. It is. It's not It's not just the Britney references. It's not just the way you talk. And I'm telling you, it's not the way you walk or the way you dress or the way you look. Because you. Because I could see you across the street someone would tell me that's a hetero guy and I'd be like, yeah. 
Like mm-hmm. you guys can't, you with, guys can't with see my, them. With my, with my, with my booty shorts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Sarah. Um, <laughs> listen. With my, with my booty shorts and my white Converse and a Britney shirt. You think that that man is a hetero? <laughs> okay, listen, you don't wear booty shorts. I think people are picturing like, no, the you higher, don't. The higher the shorts, the closer to God is my mentality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, but I just mean like you guys can't see Kyle, but he has a beard, like a, a very a very luscious, beautiful beard, and like he's he's just he dresses like in jeans and a hoodie and a t-shirt. I'm just saying that because that's how a hetero guy might dress. But you come into every interaction with a confidence where like. Yeah, if you were talking to you for more than 10 minutes, you would just know you were gay because of this this confidence of who you are comes forward and you just instantly, you have this idea of who Kyle is pretty much right away. Um, but I, this topic really interests me and I don't think we've talked about it on the pod yet, Purse, and I would love to get both of your perspectives on this. Like this concept of how a gay man talks or acts or walks or dresses what what is that like where does that come from why is it so common for gay men to love britney spears for example or to really gravitate towards the theater or like what is that it's really hard for me to unpack what that is i i mean it like it all stems from kind of like the what is portrayed to us through the media you know what i mean like when you see somebody that is gay like you immediately build this image of just like a flamboyant man that is like wearing skin tight clothing and has a very high effeminate voice and is interested in like Madonna and like Britney and stuff like that. And there's just, it's kind of like something that's always been thrown out there to the general public, mm-hmm. especially with like, like Will and Grace, like there was Jack and he was always like the very effeminate character. He was very off the walls and he was madly in love with all the divas like Cher and um just all those people and he was very effeminate and he was very confident in who he was and stuff like that and I feel like that kind of like media portrayal of what a gay man is is kind of like carried throughout throughout generations and I mean it's I feel like with kind of like the uh idolization within the gay community towards like female pop stars and female uh figures and stuff like that like it's just it it's just like it's easier to identify with women because they express their feelings us gay people have a lot of feelings (laughs) that's actually what i was gonna say but it's really interesting that you told me that because when i was thinking of the female pop star angle i was like i think it comes down to like feelings and expression and yeah, because like what, like listening to like Mariah sexuality. Carey, for example, like she has like the most like insanely deep lyrics of de- about like depression and about heartbreak and about love and all of this stuff. And it's just like that is things that we feel as like people who identify in the LGBTQIA spectrum because it's just like, and it's like, it's it's almost like we kind of like look up to that because it's something that may not come to us easily. So it's like when we have those like female perspectives describing that to us, it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's easier to like paint a picture within that. You know what I mean? Yep. And I wanted to touch upon a little bit of like the sexual, like even like the sexuality aspect, like when you can kind of Mm -hmm. see these like pop stars, just like, I mean, especially in the early 2000s during that era, I feel like we could just seeing that confidence exude from them, like people like Christina, Brittany, 
JLo even, I don't know, just that yeah. like those girl bosses kind of owning their, mm-hmm. their sexuality and kind of like right. at the time, maybe a little taboo. Right. But I feel like maybe as gay people, we're also feeling like we're a little taboo. So you're like identifying yeah. with those people who are struggling in right. the media. Well, it's just like with women in the media, like they were, they were always the ones that were breaking down the barriers. And it's like yes. with us being, with us being in the queer community, like we're always having to break down barriers for ourselves. So it's like, we identify with those people that had to kind of pave the way for themselves because we are also doing that. And it's, it's not to say that like male artists aren't doing that, but it's just, there's a lot of, how do I word this? <laughs> there's a, there's just like a lot of like superficiality when it comes to male projection in the media. Like it's very like, it's very, um, it's, it's the same with like how there's kind of like the effeminate figure with being a gay man, with being a straight man, there's the very muscular, uh, masculine man, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's something that just a lot of queer people, like they don't identify with, you know what I mean? Being that just kind of like rugged, you're not allowed to express emotions, you're not allowed to do this and do that, like it's always got to be sex drug and sex drugs and bitches you know what I mean it's just like mm-hmm. you like <laughs> yeah yeah it's just like yeah it's like yeah. you have to you have to kind of like it, it, you just you, you're not exposed to as much of that in the male perspective and it's like there's a lot of uh things that 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 men have done in breaking down barriers such as like racial barriers and all of this, like, in coming of age throughout, like, the 80s, 90s, and all of that, but it's just, like, I feel that um, with breaking down the barriers, they aren't necessarily kind of connecting the emotion to breaking down those barriers, you know what I mean? It's always, like, oh, they did that, that's amazing that they did that, like, let's keep it going for them, you know what I mean? But it's never, it's never about, like, what is going on behind the scenes, like, what is, kind of like being projected out there in regards of like how they're feeling throughout it. And it's like, that's kind of like where society jumps in and how they're placing these stereotypes on men and stuff like that, because they're obviously feeling some sort of like emotion, but we're not allowed to see it. But women are, women are the emotional figures. So we're kind of easily uh, identified. We kind of like find ourselves easily within women in popular culture you know what I mean that really helps me wrap my head around it a bit more but to take it even one step further where I'm still I still don't really understand where it comes from is why do you why do you guys think queer people have more feelings or have more emotions where they identify with the for example the gay men stereotypically identify with the female queens the who are expressing their emotions and are, who are allowed to express their emotions. Like I think even even what you're saying about the media representation, I think that's 100% accurate. There's there's stereotypes being reflected back to us that we learn as we grow up, but 4-year-old Kyle discovering how much like he loves Britney I don't think that four-year-old Kyle like had really understood Will and Grace yet. You know what I mean? And so I guess I just, when it comes to these stereotypes, my question is like, they're starting somewhere deeper and, and it might, it might be the emotional thing, but I'm wondering why are so many queer people just more emotional then? Probably because we're told, like we are inherently told by societal powers or parental powers or whatever that we need to suppress who we are. 
so that inherently makes us more emotional because we mm. are having it's it, it's kind of like you know like things bubble up and like it makes us more emotional because we're having to kind of like fit into societal norms and we're kind of having to fit into like certain ways that people want us to be so then it makes us more emotional and like that's why depression rates and suicide rates and stuff like and like and mental illness and mental disorders are so high within the gay community is because like there's just there's so much emotional trauma that comes from being a queer person because we're told yeah. to suppress like who we are as a person and we're told so many different things from other people about who we should be and what we should be doing that we're never able to find ourselves so then once we do find ourselves it's just like where the fuck do I go from here? You know what I mean? Then it's almost like an overwhelming amount of emotions. At least I 100%. felt that when right. I really sit, stood in with me because I was suppressing feelings for years as a yeah. teen and it's not healthy. Yeah. It's dark. 100%. Yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense, especially thinking about like a young, young kid, like, like this example we're giving of young, like four-year-old Kyle. Even at four, like, kids are put into gender roles immediately. Like as soon as they leave the womb, they're like, okay, you're a boy or a girl. So even by the age of four, you've already had four years of trying to be fit into, uh, I don't know, tr like go try to play sports, for example, because you're a boy. Even, even feeling like you don't belong in that world could be a suppression and you could have built up emotion from that. I feel like that can start so early. That really makes me understand it a bit more. Another thing too is like I was always very close with my mom and I feel that like with me being close to my mom and like me having that kind of like female figure in my life that just kind of attracted me towards other female figures and looking totally. for kind of like that other female presence in my life because that's all I really knew because like my dad was there but he wasn't really there so it was like I never kind of had that kind of like masculine presence and so I never identified with it but like having kind of a maternal outlook and a maternal just view on life you know what I mean like I always looked at like people that were on the tv like Britney or other pop stars like that I always thought of them as like my sisters or my mom I never thought of them as like my girlfriend you know what I mean like it yeah. was never like that I always thought of them as like just somebody that like they taught me a lot so they give me that maternal kind of like love and through expressing whatever they do through their art and stuff like that like it was just it was always very maternal for me maybe even like sometimes a form of escapism like for 100%. you to kind of just be like the pop world is really interesting in that sense and like yeah. gay anthems are such a big thing too mm -hmm. and we we have our the lgbt community has their queer artists queer allies mm -hmm. who they like worship it's like a thing yeah. right so I, I actually find that really interesting too because i don't really yeah. think about it too much like why are these artists we could like name all these queer icons or queer allies who are icons who don't identify as queer but they're they're a gay icon, you know? I had this exact same yeah. conversation with my with my straight best friend. He was like, what makes a gay icon? I was like, oh God. Let's unpack. <laughs> I don't know. Like for me, it's just, it's, it's beyond the music. You know what I mean? It's who, it's who they're representing. Like for example, like I talk so much about Kylie Minogue. And it's just like, it's because she has literally dedicated her entire career to the gay community. And she has said that time and time again, that she does everything for the gays. And she 
like her music is like the up-tempo dance music that gay men can dance to in bars all of her performances are like very sexually romp with like gay men and stuff like that as her background dancers like practically having sex on stage and it's like and she's just very camp her music is so just like it's so uplifting and so um the beats per minute is like at 300 (laughs) yeah I don't know like it's someone like her that is just like so vocal about being accepting of what the queer community is and she goes out of her way to fight for it and same with Madonna like I'm not a massive fan of Madonna but I know that she is a pioneer for the gay community because of what she has done for the HIV AIDS uh, epidemic in the 80s and the 90s like she was vehemently fighting back against stereotypes towards it because I mean people thought that you could just get it from touching somebody Mm -hmm. and it was just like she was very vocal and adamant that like it isn't just with gay men and it it's not something that is to be feared and stuff like that and she was very revering in the fact that she used her massive platform to fight for gay rights and to to fight against like stigmatization of being gay and stigmatization towards HIV AIDS and there's just there's so many so many artists that just stand up for queer culture and that's something that I really look out for when I'm listening to somebody. I I understand why pop music is a place where a lot of queer people go because it's like first of all it's the genre that's always talking about sex and sexuality which is something that queer people are figuring out as they grow as they grow up. But then this celebratory aspect, like so much queer music is celebrating. So much of queer music is like high BPM. Like wh- why do you guys think that's the case? I don't know if I have like a really like clear direct answer for like why this is the case, but I feel like whenever I think about like pride and like feeling proud and feeling like we're finally owning our sexualities and we're just living our truths, to me, that automatically brings the in like like the celebratory fun aspect of music. You know, I have a whole pride playlist where I'm putting all those songs that are just a bop, and I don't even know why, but I'm like, this song just makes me feel happy. And music in general, like makes us feel really happy. And I think like maybe because, you know, the queer community has been through so much shit, it's like this is just a moment for us to kind of come together and feel happy. And like, I don't know, there's just those songs that just like, lift your spirits that's what I think of when I think of pride especially yeah and maybe it's like the connection aspect too right like everyone knows music is a connector brings us together but when you have that high bpm and you have that like celebratory music with the lyrics that everyone knows like that's a whole different type of connection and that's a safe space I feel for for people yeah well that's something that's really prevalent in pop music is theatrics and just like being yes. out there and just one of my favorite things that I feel like has kind of dissipated from pop music in general lately is kind of the just kind of like the fictitiousness of being a pop star and playing up to a character like there's True. there's like there's True. Britney that goes on stage and she goes on stage and she delivers like this performance but then she hops off stage and she's just this like down-to-earth southern girl Lady Gaga, she goes on stage and she's this like insanely theatric person and she 
puts on a show and she's wearing like the most fucking insane outfits and she's being as out there as she possibly can be. But then, you know, behind the scenes, like she has showed time and time again that she's like, she just throws her hair up in a bun. She's like walking around in sweats all the time and stuff like that. And it's just like, I think that's something that is like kind of identified a lot within the queer community is like the theatrics of pop music. You know what I mean? And like being able to kind of just like, play into the illusion of a character it's a role and, exactly you hit the and, nail on that we don't have that as much anymore no it, like... because and social media has ruined it yeah and because there's so many people that are just trying to be they're spending so much time trying to be real and the thing about pop music is it's not real but like that was the that's like the whole thing that like really attracts me towards pop music is it's just like the illusion like I hate to keep referencing Britney but like the thing that was so amazing about her in her prime is like she was fucking everywhere she was the biggest person in the world but she still had that aura of mystery around her there was like you knew only what was on the surface level Mm -hmm. and there was so much more to her that you never knew and you never got to see that we may never know what kind of person she was in her prime like even with like the world of social media like I know that there's there's circumstances free Britney but like there's just there's always been this incredible amount of mystery around her and it's the same with like all of these artists that came from like the 80s the 90s the 2000s even the early 2010s with like Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Kesha, like all these people, they have such an aura of mystery around them that I feel that social media has ripped away from a lot of people because people want to be more approachable on social media to garner the audience. And I feel that's what kind of like a lot of the newer artists are coming up in today where they want to make themselves so approachable, like Charlie D'Amelio. They just want to be as approachable as they can be. And it's just like, where's the fun <laughs> like where's there's the no fun separation in, anymore between no there's there's no separation between like celebrity it's yeah. just like there's so much that's just been removed from like the like character of pop music and I feel that's something that for right now like I think that the kind of person that is the pop star right now is Dua Lipa because like she mm. is kind of like the all around pop star of right now because it's like you you don't know like what goes on with her you know what I mean but like she goes up on stage and she like she has had such an incredible trajectory within her artistry where like now she's just a full-fledged pop star yeah and it's like that's that's why I think a lot of gays kind of gravitate towards her because it's like that's like it's kind of like the the last thread of like what is what Holding was on. pop music yeah and it's like and it's the same with Miley Cyrus and rock music yeah like she is she's like one of the last like modern figures that is like truly a rock star that is like upfront right. about like her drug use about like her sex scandals about like being fluid amongst like women and men and just like doing whatever the fuck she wants and just like just being so upfront and brash about it and it's <laughs> she just is like, a rock star that's yeah a good point. and it's just like that's something that is like also missing from like rock music like I think that the whole theme of like 
approachability has ruined a lot of like the illusion of so many different music genres. Yeah, I think so too. And also everything you're saying about like the queer icons who like created a character, a mysterious illusion, a character that also reminds me of drag and like drag is such a massive part of the queer community and drag is all about creating a character drags all about performance and illusion so do you guys feel like this thing with illusion do you do you think it's i'm just trying to wrap my head around it do you think it's that exists because queer people feel like they need to be a certain way or that they need to fit into some sort of certain mold and they relate to that do you know what comes to my head as a quote from rupaul <laughs> You're bored naked and the rest is drag. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. It's genius. <laughs> like, I, that's, oh my God, that's, a, genius. that's such is. a stereotypical thing. But like, it's just the first thing. Cause I mean, like as, like as overused as I personally think it is now, it's like, it's true. Like you are born this person, that, like that is who you are. And you're having to kind of like adapt yourself to all these different facets of life. And so that is your drag. Like, even if you are not externally in drag, you're still having to kind of like put yourself into all these different things of people that it's ex like expectations that people are wanting from you. You so know what I true. mean? And it's like, that's kind of like the amazing thing about drag is it's like, it's just, it's camp. Like that's something that like I love is camp. I don't really know what this means, but when I think about drag and how much the queer community loves drag and RuPaul, I also recognize that so many straight girls love RuPaul and so many straight girls love drag, and, and including me. And I feel like women, whether you're queer or not, have to fit into such a mold immediately. And so do men, so do men, so do men. I want to repeat that many times, but for women especially... <laughs> like we have a mold we have to fit into and we have to be a certain way. And so I wonder if that's triggered as well with us for drag is like, is seeing this illusion, seeing this like character being built, we relate to that so much and it actually ends up feeling empowering. Oh my God. Yes. Right. Well, that's, a, that's like, that's kind <laughs> of like, like the reverse. That's like the reverse of what we were talking about before where gay people look for the illusionment in pop music. It's like women are looking for the illusionment from men. You know what I mean? And like drag isn't just with like with men either. It's like, cause like drag originated from the trans community. So it's, that's, that in itself is just like there's so much fluidity that's within drag because i mean like women can do drag like michelle visage is a drag queen <laughs> like she does right. drag it's the same with like all these trans icons that are in drag and stuff like that that i feel are severely underrepresented even though they were the ones that brought drag to what it is today and same with like same with black artists and stuff like that and i feel like that's why RuPaul is like a very important figure. He He's a very revolutionary figure for his time because like he was the one that kind of brought drag to mainstream as opposed to it being just what it was. You know what I mean? He brought it out and he made it into what it is today. And there's so much more like fluidity in drag now. And there's like, there's so many different lights that are shined on the drag community such as like there's like bearded drag 
there's femme drag, there's drag kings, drag queens. Like there's just, there's so much that has been brought to the forefront that is like, yeah, like there's just like, there's so much that has been brought up that is so amazing for the queer community and stuff like that. And that's done nothing but further the conversation within the queer community because of drag culture and what drag culture is and what it's come to be because it's a part of our history mm-hmm. and now that our now that our history is so out in the open it's just done nothing but wonders of like just bringing queer uh icons to the forefront and allowing an ease of access for information for younger generations and even older generations to kind of like find who they want to look up to and I mean it's the same with like with straight women it's they're just looking for that kind of like escapism of who they're expected to be like women are expected to be the child bearers they're expected to be like the home wife and stuff like that like they're expected they have these societal boundaries that are always put on them and like I think that with the disappearance of like the illusionment of pop music, I feel like the illusionment in drag has been kind of like re- substituting that because right. it's, it's something that they can cut that like everybody, whether you are straight, gay, trans, everybody can kind of just get lost in that illusionment and kind of just paint yeah. the picture for themselves. And that's what a lot of drag queens do is like they're painting they're painting a different person on their face. You know what I mean? Like it's not them. And they're creating that, they're creating that illusion for themselves. Yeah. And the reason why I love drag is because as a straight girl, I've never really identified with the super feminine look or, you know, like all the makeup or or whatever it is. I've never really identified with that. I always felt like a bit more of a tomboy. And so the reason why I love drag is because they take that, they take that thing and they camp it up to the point where they're making a statement about it. Like when they when they do their makeup, it's they're taking it five notches up and they're it, it's almost like they're using it against society. They're like, we're gonna take this thing that you try to tried to put us into boxes with and we're going to turn it against you we're going to we're going to turn the tables you know what I mean that's why I like it because that honestly makes me feel empowered I think that there's so many people that are just like fighting back against kind of like the stereotypical societal boundaries that were put on them and like I find that like there's even people in the drag community that are fighting back against the drag stereotypes that are put on them and stuff like that and there's just like there's so much illusionment and there's so much just like boundary breaking within the drag community and it's kind of like spilling out into all these different communities and it's done nothing but like empower and uh kind of just like enrich the gay experience and the queer experience of just being yourself and being whoever the fuck you want to be that's <laughs> what it comes down to guys oh, yeah. we were always told to be the opposite of what we are and we were always yep. having to look for that illusionment within ourselves and seeing it in a tangible way that's something that like we just ingest easily because we relate to it so much 
totally hit the nail on that. It's something like I never <laughs> even thought about that as much, but you know what I recently realized I do to ease my anxiety mm. is watch those like mega mix videos on YouTube where they highlight all the pop queens. Mm. I, I literally will watch it if I'm feeling anxious. I'm not even kidding. I don't know what it does to me. It gives me <laughs> hot girl energy for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Like yeah. I'll be laying in bed and I'm like, I actually told Margo this the other day. I sent her a voice note just being like, I was mm. having anxiety. It was kind of funny. I'm like, I'm having anxiety today, but somehow I'm like not anymore because I just watched like this Lady Gaga mega mix. And it's yeah. playing this character because yeah. they highlight all right. of these like YouTube, like music video highlights. But it's right. true. I feel like maybe I had a sense of escapism in a way. Mm. I know I'm not Lady Gaga, but I was like, I feel good. I feel right. good. And I want to right. like prance around my house now. And I don't feel that way when I listen to classic uh, male music or, or even male artists. Like now we're getting people like Lil Nas X, like you talked about, which we actually talked about him on our last episode. And now we're getting that. Troye Sivan. When I listen to Troye Sivan, I am, I am a different person. I, I, am, I am now empowered as soon as he comes on. But definitely. But yeah, well, yeah, like that's the same thing. Is it's, like, it, it's like they're just like portraying a certain part of themselves like with Lil Nas X like right now like he's just being as forward as he can be with his homosexuality because he's fighting back against the conservatism that has been put on him from releasing a country song as his first single mm -hmm. and it's like now he's fighting back against that being like fuck you guys like I am a proud gay black man but like he knows like at the root of it like that's not like what identifies him you know what I mean like he's so much more than that and I think that that's like something that is so cool about him like following him on Twitter like it's like he's always clapping back at people he's always so quick with it and he always just knows exactly what to say to make any situation hilarious his kind of like fuck you attitude towards everybody is something that is like that hasn't been seen since like Madonna. Madonna used to do it all the time, like the Like a Virgin video, like she had crosses burning behind her and stuff like that. And she had do has done all of this stuff to kind of like fight back against the norm of that. And that's something that Little Nas X is doing now with lap dancing with Satan, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like- Yeah, you I can think see the connections. Yeah, it's like, I think that that's something that is like, something that's so cool with him. And like with Travis Vaughn, like he, is just like uh, he's always emulating the energy of just being a proud queer man you know what i mean and i feel like he gets lost in the illusion of that of just being like a, a pop star within that and th i i just think like there's so much representation now and it's so cool and i feel and i feel like they've kind of taken the the up roots of like what pop culture was in regards of like illusion and what was brought up brought upon us with like the theatrics of pop music and they're taking what they learned at a young age and they're bringing it to now and i feel like now it's hopefully coming back <laughs> you know what i mean like I just kind to. of like the theatric side of just of pop culture man i just i, I, miss, I miss it the livelihood <laughs> i miss the theatrics a lot okay kyle you're a resident pop culture expert you are our bestie for life is there anything else you want to tell the people <laughs> anything else you that you think they need to know about you and your story be who you wanna be b-a-r-b-i-e <laughs> what is that wait barbie that? girl it's a it's the barbie commercial from like <laughs> Listen, i guess i could have put two and two together and like listen to what you the said. best advice we've ever received <laughs> 
<laughs> Barbie girl. <laughs> that's uh, that's all. <laughs> Okay, well, with that, we love you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for being open as you always are. And I'm so excited that you're our first male identifying guest. <laughs> Bring some male time. energy on here. Some male Too many energy, females yeah. up in here. Oh, God. Oh, I was going to say something. Oh, purse. I was so right before this, I was chatting with my friend Naz. Mm-hmm. And I was telling her about this podcast and. I told her that I would tell you this, but she was like literally like completely awestruck by you because she was so happy that there was queer representation coming from your background and stuff like that. Cause she's from, she's from um, Bangladesh and it's like, she doesn't have, she knows like for a fact, there is literally no representation. There's none of that that comes from it. And it's like, she she knows that there's like the straight representation that comes from it sometimes from like Mindy Kaling and stuff like that. And she's like, I know for a fact that there's no queer representation because I know if I was to come out to my parents right now, she's not queer, but she's like, if I was to come out to my parents, like it would just be a shit show because there's so many beliefs and so many, there's just, there's so much background in homophobia ingrained in our history and in stuff like that. And she, commends you for being such a leader in that and being yourself within that and really just being who you want to be and uh, living your true life without having any of that affect you tell her like thank you she's like I don't she's like I don't know her at all but somehow I just feel like weirdly connected to her (laughs) oh my god awesome no that's awesome and it's true though right like the indian representation specifically south asian community it's rare it's rare people Mm -hmm. are coming out so we need more of that for sure and i'm really glad that she was able to kind of see that because that's like the whole reason why we wanted to start this because i was like there's really no one talking about this who really looks like me she picked it up immediately as soon as i showed her the description saying that like you were an indian queer woman she's like oh (laughs) <laughs> she was like, holy shit, wow. She was like, that's amazing. I was describing describing uh, you to her because like you two are very similar where you're both, you're both very short and you're both just like cute and very <laughs> like, just very like pocket-sized girlfriends is what yeah. I tell you. And like- I love being pocket-sized. I love that. Yeah, like she immediately recognized that and she was like, please tell her like she's doing amazing work. Tell even her- with having no back, even having no like background to her at all, I realize the struggle that she may go through and what yeah. she is representing. Yeah. Oh my God. I want to get her Instagram or something. Tell, <laughs> tell her to literally yeah, like connect, connect. Yeah. I would love yeah. to connect with her and actually talk to her. You can tell her like she loves that you saw that. And I would love to like actually talk to her about it more. Hey, Naz, I hear you. And thank you for showing girl on girl some love. And I'm going to get your Instagram so we can talk. Wink, wink. Wink, wink. She's going to be absolutely mortified by that, but I love it. (laughs) Tell her I'm going to send her some voice notes. Okay, we love you. Love you. Love you so much, Kyle. Can't wait to kiss in person. I'm going to kiss you once. Yeah, I'm going to kiss you so hard. (laughs) Full tongue. Not kidding. I'm going to make out with you. (laughs) It's going to be my first first make out session with women. (laughs) I mean, if you had it with anyone else, I'd be kind of mad. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. What the hell? Okay. All right, Sarah. Are we ready to get into In Case You Missed It? 
Hell yeah, we are. This week, we are talking about something a little bit controversial, which we will dive into in case you missed it. Every week on our episodes, me and Purse cover a little bit of pop culture that happened in the queer world over the past week. And this past week, an old bachelor named Colton Underwood came out as gay. So you guys know The Bachelor. It's been on for like 25 years or something like that. A long time. And a long time. And there's a lot of controversy around The Bachelor franchise, um, especially now. But um, Colton, he was The Bachelor on the 15th season, I think. Don't quote me on that. It was like 2015 or something that he was The Bachelor. So maybe about five years ago. Um, he was super religious, still is potentially, not, not sure, don't know him personally, but he was probably one of the most religious bachelors that they ever had. Part of like his whole thing as the bachelor was not just that he was religious, but also I believe that he was a virgin. So he was like saving himself for marriage. And that was kind of like a part of his whole narrative as the bachelor. So he does his thing. He ends up deciding to date one of the girls from the bachelor Everything seems, he kind of like goes into obscurity. And then just last week, he comes onto Good Morning America and comes out as gay. Mm -hmm. And there's a clip of his interview. So let's listen to it and and hear a little bit of his story. I've ran from myself for a long time. I've hated myself for a long time. And I'm gay. And I came to terms with that earlier this year and have been processing it. And um, the next step in all of this was sort of letting people know. Still nervous, but um, yeah, it's it's been a journey for sure. Through the nerves, I can see the joy. I Uh, can see the relief. I mean, I'm emotional, but I'm emotional in like such a good, happy, positive way. Um, I'm like the happiest and healthiest I've ever been in my life, and. That means the world to me. He clearly has gone through a lot of turmoil. I think that was one of the biggest things that I took away was when he was talking about his suicidal thoughts. There's just a lot of struggle happening here, not only because he was going through so many mental health issues and dealing with his sexuality and some other things, but he also has a restraining order against him from from this girlfriend that he was dating from the Bachelor series. Um, apparently he was stalking her, and so mm. uh, she has a restraining order against him. That's kind of, he kind of references that it when he comes out, you know, how he's dealing with, how he realizes he's he's not being who he wants to be in a lot of ways. Honestly, guys, I don't really know the details of this controversy, but I just think this is an interesting coming out because it's very like guy's guy, religious guy on a, from a reality show that is so conservative and so like not in the queer zeitgeist at um, all like and at that's, all that's something sarah and i actually would talk about a lot was bachelor and like how there's like the lack of representation is it makes me angry right like yeah sure you you just had matt james as the first black bachelor in 2021 in what, like 20 i i honestly guys i don't know don't get mad if you're bachelor fans but i think it's been like 28 seasons of the bachelor and you've had one black bachelor. There's no queer representation. I'm sure there's been a contestant on at some point who identified as bi or something like that. But it's this show is not for the queer community, I guess is what we're saying. Yeah. Um, so for him to be such a such a figure in that 
in that world and then to come out as gay is a pretty big deal. He also was a football player and I just feel like everything is stacked against him in terms of like him allowing to be himself just with how religious he is and his sports history and then being on this like super hetero show like everything is just like be a hetero man, be a hetero man, be a hetero man. And then clearly it led to like a breakdown, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I have to actually, um, I'll be so honest. I When you presented this idea to me, for sure, I was like very excited to learn about Colton. Um, I didn't do as much research on Colton um, Underwood's like struggles or anything. Um, I was just seeing a lever- everything on my feed and him saying like he finally feels relieved and he's like not wearing this mask anymore. He is who he is. But... What I what we even talked about with Kyle on the episode about like what is a gay man supposed to be? Colton just doesn't fit into that stereotype. So what you just said is like, yeah, there's so many things already pitted against him of how he has to be this like he is like the poster child of like the all American straight dude. That's such a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And just to be clear, like we're not we're not victimizing him. There's definitely some some controversial stuff happening in terms of like how he treated his girlfriend. And also Kyle actually pointed out to us that right after he came out, he also announced a Netflix series he's going to be in where he is getting like mentored on being gay or something like that. We really didn't do our research for this one. I'm laughing. It's okay. We're going with the flow. <laughs> we're going with the flow and we're learning as we go, guys. But And, and we just learned this from Kyle. That doesn't sit right with me because it feels so staged and so inauthentic but listen at the end of the day anyone who's coming out with their truth and feeling like they can finally speak who they are we're going to celebrate that no matter what that alone is makes us so happy and he definitely seems like in the clip he definitely seems relieved and happy and like he's so nervous and scared but you can see there's like a happiness behind his eyes yeah but this guy has gone through some shit at the same time and he's not shying away from talking about that he there was a point where he didn't know if he was going to wake up so yeah this is i feel like this is a really heavy one with a lot of stuff attached to it but at the end of the day i think it is hopefully some sort of step forward for the bachelor franchise i think all of the race stuff happening in the bachelor franchise right now is is pushing things forward um hopefully but i wonder if this is maybe something that can open up a conversation about queerness and how the bachelor franchise doesn't include the queer community in any way Mm -hmm. i hope so and i i mean we'll see we'll see what happens what the outcome of this is because that's something that definitely needs to happen because they're getting called out yeah and i also nominate persis as the next bachelorette and who's to say who's going to be her contestants listen we've wanted that for a long time and we got tila tequila but like tila tequila is seen as like the trashy i'm I'm using air quotes the trashy version of bachelor which we could break that down for a whole episode of why that's why that was seen that way but i want the regular bachelorette with all the fancy dates and all the all like the nice dinners and the and the ball gowns, but I want purses to be the bachelorette. Exactly. Let's see. Who knows? That'd who be so pick. awesome. Oh, we we're putting that out into the universe right now. That would be so awesome. Sarah, do you want to host? Yes. <laughs> Yo, it would be like the host from Girl on Girl, Sarah Johnson. We, you know what? We're not going to be a part of the franchise. We're going to make our own our inclusive own. dating show. I was just going to say that. I love that idea. Yeah. Let's make it our own franchise. 
also person do you know how much these bachelor contestants make after they're on the bachelor they do all these brand deals on instagram they make millions like they just make a living off being on the bachelor i think it's my calling i think so too and then we can split the earnings yeah we'll we'll discuss that um off the record okay sounds good babe <laughs> i love you <laughs> I love you. Thanks for talking about Colton Underwood with me. Yeah. If you guys, if you guys have any more info about this, because clearly like we're not super informed, feel free to reach out and let us know. But we think it's cool he came out. We're happy that he's finally in his element and feeling himself. We think there's some other shit maybe going on. But all in all, let's hope this pushes things forward. Agreed. That's all I can hope for. And at the end of the day, aside from everything else, the controversial stuff that's happening, that's something that I think we're going to try and stray away from because we, what we want to celebrate is him finding himself. And I think yeah. that's the biggest, the biggest accomplishment in this. So that's what we're going to focus on. And proud of you. Proud of you, Colton Underwood. And we are Good glad job, you're happy. Colton Underwood. Me too. <laughs> okay, P. Okay, S. I, I think love we you. We both need to go to bed in separate beds, though. This time, honey. separate beds this time, babe. But um, it's yeah. okay. When Is COVID's it? over, I'll come snuggle up next to you. Oh, okay. I can't wait. <laughs> Me too. <laughs>